0: something. It's like a podcast, but it's a vodcast, so you can listen and watch. It's like news talk or sports talk, but it's life talk, so we can walk the road together. On today's show, Greg and Tracy Murtha join us to talk about a life interrupted and the surprising joy that can be on the other side of even a cancer diagnosis.
1: So it's an absolute blast to be kind of in the middle of God's plan versus my plan. And I did a very good job of creating my plan and making life difficult for a number of years. So.
0: Thanks for joining the conversation. Here we go. Yes, Ooh, I think yeah. we should. Okay. Alright, so welcome to the rainy day in Dallas <laughs> and we have our friends, our dear friends Greg and Tracy Murtha Greg Murtha has served as Chief Connection Officer of I Donate and Chief Relationship Officer of Halftime. His latest adventure, as he calls it, is metastasized stage four colon cancer. A diagnosis that has surprisingly landed him in a place where he has never felt more alive. Tracy and Greg live in Nashville with their son Jackson. Connect with Greg on Facebook or Gregmurtha.com. We wanted to we wanted them to share their story with us and with y'all because um because they have an interesting and great story and encouraging story because we really wanted to share their story with you. And so a little bit about Tracy and Greg, do y'all want to introduce yourselves just a little bit. Tracy (laughs) Murtha
2: and I'm married to Greg and uh, we have one son Jackson. We've lived, we bounced back and forth between living in Dallas and living in Nashville. And And what's
1: important for the story, we need to get in. Actually, she's a biology major. She graduated in three years, Phi Beta Kappa, and magna cum laude. So amazingly intelligent. I graduated. Thank you, Lottie.
3: Thank you. That would be my (laughs) classification as well. (laughs) You graduated. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lottie. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Thank you, Lottie.
3: You've never heard that expression. I have never. But Mm -hmm. I I think I
0: graduated. Thanks, Dad. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Lottie. Lottie. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. All right, so, part okay, so Greg, tell us a little bit about you. A Greg, little bit about your career, like what you did, and why I, you're back in Nashville. I feel
1: and... like a baseball player. So I was, I played for the Cincinnati Reds, and no, I'm teasing. Uh, I am Tracy. He Tracy's, really
0: was a baseball player. Well, really? I am In college.
1: I am Tracy's husband. I'm Jackson's dad. Uh, you know, I, again, not to be overly religious or whatever, but I just call myself a follower of Jesus. Uh, for years, I worked with uh, a guy named Bob Buford, spent 15 years starting the Halftime Institute and kind of uh, growing that organization, had the privilege of working with some friends at a uh, dot-com startup called iDonate. And in the midst of that, you know, within the drug dive in, within the midst of that over the last five years, six years, was diagnosed with cancer in 2012, and last year had two heart attacks and have wrestled with some various infections and viruses and things that you just think you've gotta be kidding me. And, I was a 46-year-old that was in the best shape of my adult life, running marathons, uh, frankly it, it, eating right. And I jokingly tell people now that I encourage them don't do that, drink beer, and uh, eat lots of barbecue because the the healthy life really doesn't work. So, sarcasm obviously. That is. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it had to have been a sobering day. Um, what was it like when you heard when you heard them say those words? You mm-hmm. know, Mr. Murtha, you have cancer.
1: Well, the first thought that came to mind was, uh, I am really, really thankful that when we were 33, we chose to go to work with Bob Buford and pursue things that mattered. And not that a marketplace position doesn't matter, or not that, but we, we did things that mattered. And so I literally looked up and thought at age 46, I didn't know if I was gonna make it to 50. And so often the people that we worked with, it with half, at halftime would wait until they were 50 to then refocus their energies on Not earning money but doing things where they could make a difference and again I was extremely thankful that I didn't I hadn't waited for that
0: that's such a great point so so of the things that you feel like this cancer journey has taught you I'm guessing that that's one of them mm -hmm. that you're really glad you didn't put off until tomorrow things for today not just like things working wise but life but living life-wise, right? what are some other things that you go, I never would have thought I would learn, I'm so glad I have?
1: Well, it's interesting, even when we were doing good things with Bob Buford, starting the Halftime Institute, and by the way, this is me, it's not, I, I had the privilege of working with Bob, with a guy named Lloyd Reeb, the guy named Jeff Spadaforo, with these amazing, amazing men, but, but the, the fact is is that I was so target-locked on our plan and what uh, I felt we needed, we had goals and I wanted to operate against our plan and produce results and all of those things. And But I, I came to the realization recently that during those 15 years, I don't remember ever being interrupted. What do you mean
0: by that? Yeah, well, interrupted half. I, I,
1: I was so focused on what we were doing that, that I never saw sick people. I never saw the guy on the side of the road that needed someone to pull over and help them out. I never saw, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that they weren't on my radar screen. I just don't think I had a radar. It was off. And so I was pursuing these things, which by the way, uh, ratcheted up the pressure on me. Because I thought it was up to me to make these things happen. Not that it was, it wasn't, it wasn't, yes, I was doing this for God, but Mm -hmm. I was doing God's work in my way. Which when scripture says that, you know, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For years, my yoke was chafing and my burden was extremely heavy Mm
3: -hmm. you know so many people operate under that auspice. Mm,
1: I think so So what
3: have you learned then if you could do those years over how would you better filter out your day and what you choose to involve yourself
1: with? a couple of thoughts were you know recently I I just opened the book of John Mm -hmm. and just started reading about Jesus and his ministry and I realized that the vast majority of his ministry emerged because of interruptions oh, seriously really? so yes. I'm watching his life and I'm thinking okay, he's come here to save the world yeah so he has a big mission second thing is is he had from age 30 to 33 to make that happen he had three years and so it really dawned on me I thought doesn't he know that he's got a big responsibility <laughs> and he keeps allowing mm-hmm. all of these people to interrupt him I mean, you know his first miracle he goes to a wedding and his mother says, hey, do whatever whatever he says to do, do it. And he's like, hey, this isn't my time. That mm-hmm. was an interruption. Mm-hmm. He went to enjoy a wedding and he's called to duty to turn water into wine. And then yeah. you look at Capernaum, was it? Where he comes to him and it says, my son is sick. Can There's. you heal my son? Yeah. And then he goes into the pool at Bethesda and the guy says, hey, can you help me? Yeah. And I mean, literally everywhere you see his ministry, it wasn't a part of his daytime or calendar.
0: Well, and, and often it was mm. these people like that were on the side of the road that were definitely not seen by anybody else
1: he yeah. saw them yeah And so what I've come to the realization is his ministry was in the interruptions as is ours oh, I and so when, when last year when I had my first heart attack I was lying in bed uh, I thought this is it mm-hmm. I mean I really did I thought uh, I had fluid in my lungs and I was coughing up blood and I mean I just thought this this is it and the things that came to mind that were the absolute most important were one, that uh, you know I, I thought I am so thankful that my son and wife know Jesus because I know I'll see him again. Second, I'm very thankful that our church, and, in, and within the context of that read small group, like frankly, the Book of Acts, if you will, but our church, our community were with Tracy and I knew they would take care of her. Okay, and three, the only thing else that came to mind was, I wonder if that nurse knows Jesus. I wonder if that doctor knows Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was all that mattered, and so the reality when I when when I made it through that, it it, it, it reminded me that okay, one I was operating under my plans before, mm-hmm. and I need to operate under God's plan. And, and another thing that I learned in this, and this is a chapter in the book that I recently wrote, it's called it's called God's Math. Mm-hmm. And so for years I, I would make the plan, operating against the plan, and then one plus one is two, plus one is three, plus one is four. That night, that again, I thought it was over, I asked Tracy for my, uh, my laptop, because I felt compelled to write a blog post. And I specifically talked about, I can breathe barely. Mm-hmm. And within the context of that, I just says as long as there's air in my lungs, this is what I'm gonna be about. And I kind of made a declaration. Posted that, thought that was it. On Sunday morning, it was, gosh, what, 48 hours later? Our phones, both of our phones started blowing up I mean ringing and chiming and vibrating and we were like what in the world and we looked up and realized that Todd Wagner at Watermark had read that post and used it as a sermon illustration at Watermark okay then I found out there was another Episcopal pastor in Lexington Kentucky a woman who had done the same thing and then I found out there's a pastor in Bryant Arkansas just outside of Little Rock and a pastor in Houston Texas all of them took the post and used it as a sermon illustration so that was multiplication like I've never seen. I obediently wrote a blog post. I didn't do anything out of the ordinary. God took that, and there were 22,000 people exposed to that challenge, to that message. And so it came to my it came to realization for me. You know, one the ministry is in the interruptions and embrace those and know that God has a plan. This wasn't a surprise to Him. Yeah. And then lean into those interruptions and then. Candidly, when I was first diagnosed, I had a friend say, "There's a re- God wasn't surprised." And two, anytime you go to a hospital or a waiting room or or whatever, look around because there are sick people that probably need to be encouraged, mm-hmm. and you could be the one providing that encouragement.
3: Yeah. Right.
1: So it that last but not least, is that changed my perspective from "This has happened to me" to "I'm on mission."
3: Ah, that's good. You know, Tracy, how do you see interruptions now?
2: Um. I think well and to just make a point like when you were at halftime you were doing good things but you were doing them out of your strength I think that you know you were Mm -hmm. you were saying um, it was your way and I think it was you know you had the burden because it was you know out of your strength and I think that I see it had you know my work because I'm a physical therapist has been in the helping profession so I have always felt like i've seen god at work you know within my work but i don't feel like that when i went to the grocery or how um you know, what Greg says is, you know, well, I'm, I've got to get a CAT scan or an MRI because there's somebody I'm supposed to meet. And so I think it's changed my perspective. Now, like when I go somewhere or something, it's like unexpected. Well, this wasn't in my plan, but now I've got to go do this. That now I will look for, like, is there some, there's a divine appointment. There's somebody that I'm supposed to meet. And then example. Last Friday. Was, um, well.
1: What you're driving me to the ER and
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah last Friday I was driving him to the Vandy ER. They put us in this little bitty room where it's Divided in with two curtains. So there's room for three people mm-hmm. and It's not very private because obviously there's a curtain and it's a tiny little room about the size of a closet and so the a nurse comes in to talk to the people next to mm-hmm. us and it was a young couple and the the girl is giving her symptoms and because I am a physical therapist and I've specialized in neurological disorders she was giving her symptoms and I could I knew what was wrong with her and so I kind of whispered to Greg and then anyway later they come in and you could tell that they were leaning the same direction and they sent her for some specialized tests and so we were able to, Greg, you know, we prayed with them. Well, Tracy we said wrote to me, down names of
1: doctors. She said, yeah, the best doctors in Nashville that deal with specifically this issue are. And I wrote them on a note card and said, hey, let's let's take this over to them. And Tracy knows these doctors personally. So mm-hmm. we handed them the card and said, so sorry. You know, we're eavesdropping, but this is a really small room, but these are doctors <laughs> If if you have to go down this road, that Tracy would be happy to introduce you to. These are people mm-hmm. we'd strongly recommend. And by the way, can we pray for you guys? Mm-hmm. And they were absolutely, one, mm-hmm. they were blown away and they said, only if we can pray for you. Wow. And we had no idea where they were coming from faith-wise. Yeah. But th- what an amazing young couple with what they're dealing with, which is pretty heavy mm-hmm. stuff, to be still uh, upbeat, you know, positive yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it was really of left there encouraged well, well
2: and I think another one was here in Dallas um, yesterday well so we get the pharmacy the Walgreens pharmacy we have to get something uh, It has to be faxed because it you can't take it over but anyway so his sister this long story I won't go into but we get the pharmacy hours wrong so we're going to pick up some medication for Greg and he's just feels awful And we get there and it's
3: closed, and I was
2: like, "No!" And we were gonna have to wait till the next day. And we had we needed to go to Waco, and we had to be in Waco early, so we weren't gonna be able to get the medication before. And so I said, "Let's just well, anyway." So we end up getting to a 24-hour pharmacy, but then and they ended up were able to give us two pills just to kind of get him through. Then we had to go back the next day, and so I feel like we we met that pharmacist who was mm-hmm. from Ethiopia and just, anyway, the mm-hmm. kind of I just, it was a sweet little meeting. I was like, we were supposed to go to that pharmacy. Yeah. And then the next day when we got to the Walgreens, this elderly lady walks in mm-hmm. on a walker and she looks, it looks like the 4th of July. It looked like mm-hmm. she, and maybe she was still celebrating Memorial Day, I'm not sure, but, um, cute as a button and, but she kept looking at me and we were at the checkout and Anyway, she just kept looking at me. and then she just stops and she's just staring. And I'm thinking, Is, I, <laughs> Am I wearing something? Yeah. funny? And I'm thinking, Do I know her? Have I done it? Yeah, did yeah, I do yeah. something to her? And so I I think I finally just said, Can I help you? Uh-huh. You know, and she said, I need some insurer. <laughs> but she said, I can't get to the back of the store. Or I can't she was out of energy. I can't walk oh, there. Wow, and wow. she's sitting down, and I said, well, I'll go get the insure yeah. for you. I'm like, what flavor yes. and is it the can, you know, mm-hmm. is it the small mm-hmm. individual? So, you know, she tells me what the thing is and and of course they didn't have all that she wanted but I was able to get it and take it up and I, anyway, I was just like, we were supposed yeah. to meet that yeah. sweet little lady, you know, yeah. even if it was just a small thing, but anyway. But But it sounds
0: like that you're looking no matter what, wherever you are, and the beauty of it is, is that your eyes really aren't just so focused on the hard stuff, but kind of choosing and choosing to look elsewhere, refusing to mm -hmm. look inward. And then the joy that has come from that, that you very generously um, share and spread in, in a massive encouragement to others. Has that been a surprise to you?
1: The surprise is, I call it an adventure, and it's the adventure of a lifetime. Yeah, it's amazingly exciting to connect with people. In in again six years and seventy four rounds of chemotherapy and tons of CT scans and rounds. you know all of the, the just all of the every single time we've the been at a hospital or been in rounds. a waiting room, we've I've never had we've never had anyone that we've approached that we said you know this is I always kind of lead with look. I'm a fellow patient, I'm a business guy, I'm not a pastor, but for some crazy reason, God told me I'm supposed to pray with you, are you okay with that? And Hmm. every time they've said, of course, yes, and everything from tears Mm -hmm. to, can I pray for you to, and it's just amazing, it's, Anne Voskamp says, uh, the closest distance between two hearts is the way of brokenness, and so when you're required to lead with the brokenness, it, it, it doesn't matter if. I drive a Lexus and they drive a Toyota, it doesn't matter, Right. you know? What matters is we're two human beings, everyone's wrestling with something. Mm-hmm. Everyone has something right. going on.
0: Right, I think that yeah. people tend to compartmentalize though and go, oh well you can do this because you, you know, you're at this level, you don't know what I've lived through. Or, right. um, which I don't necessarily, I think that really ties our hands.
3: I'm also thinking about the things that Are right in front of us that we don't see right you know and Mm -hmm. and is that the scales falling from our eyes I I don't know but like you said you were focused on doing the next thing Mm -hmm. there are lots of opportunities around you and and maybe someone who just needed five maybe it's your your son I I don't know I don't know but I'm really glad that both of y'all have shared that from your very
0: different perspectives you know one Mm -hmm. in a hospital room one in the in the Walgreens the grocery store wherever yeah now one thing though that i i know that there are i i can't imagine anybody that is watching not having been touched by this disease in some way shape or form Mm -hmm, through a family member Mm -hmm. themselves Mm -hmm. uh friends and uh and walking alongside what has been for you um speaking to people that have Friends or people they love that are struggling with this, what has been a blessing to you, where people walk alongside, that it's a blessing to you and not a burden? Because so many people are like, "Well, how can I help? I want to help. I don't want to be a burden." Do
1: you want to speak to that?
0: Well, you can speak
3: to yeah. it. If but, you
1: want. know what? What, I, what I'll say is, is that what you don't do, don't call and ask someone, "What can I do for you?" because they have no idea what they what you can do for them. Right. My encouragement is to pray and ask God what you're supposed to do for them, and then just do that. I call yeah. that act, don't ask. Okay? Act,
0: don't mm-hmm. ask,
1: okay? I like that. And then the second thing is, is, you don't have to have all the answers. I mean, it reminds me of uh, when I ran my first marathon, I had a friend that was meeting me at the 20 mile mark. And when he met me, I had already kind of gone by, what do they call that, the, 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 wall. the wall. I hit the wall, every step was really hard. It felt like I was carrying a piano. And this friend came, and he meant well, but the whole time he was like, man, you're the best, you're looking great, you're awesome, this is, and I just finally said, please shut up. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I need you here. I don't need you talking to I'm me. I'm so sorry yeah. I yeah. did that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was... <laughs> yeah, it, was it UK? No. You did that?
1: Well, no. you know, and I'll tell you, <laughs> I, we're staying right now with Eric and Jackie Barr. And it was probably five weeks ago, six weeks ago, Tracy and I are sitting at home in the middle of the day, and my phone rings, and it's Eric. And Eric just said, hey, oh, I just wanted cool. to call and tell you that I love you. Yes, and yes. we're praying for you. That's all. Gotta wow. go. Yeah. You know? And that was... And I wrote a blog post on another guy, Jeff Kaczynski, Kish- Kish- tough last name. But he's a guy that literally, he just called and listened. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't, he just asked a question and listened. And I literally, the blog post was he just listened. Yeah. And that's monumental. That's huge. You don't have to have the answers. Because no one has the answers anyway, right. by the way.
3: Yeah. You started talking about a book. Are you writing a book?
1: Uh, we it's just finished it book.
3: you did so tell yeah. us the name yes. of the book
1: it's called out of the blue and the subtitle because of the fact of just out of the blue I'm 46 years old in the best shape of my adult life and I get a cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. and everyone has had out of the blue moments from losing a job to their investments not working to a bad health report to a child getting in just out of the blue mm-hmm. you're you're tossed and you're 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 in a place you never thought you would be. Right. And the subtitle is the unexpected adventure of life interrupted. Mm-hmm. I've never been more alive in the midst of all of this craziness. Mm-hmm. So.
3: So it's almost how we approach the interruptions because most times we get frustrated by it. Yes. And, and we just charge right through. Mm-hmm. Think. Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think, Jay? Yeah, and what's, what is your like, goal for people, for someone that would engage with your book, to be mm-hmm. able to embrace interruptions regardless? Because I think people are afraid. I know people tend to be like, well, I don't want to be all in with, with so many things in life, because I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt. Like, it's going to mm-hmm. be a cancer diagnosis, which it may or may not be. So, um, what, what do you want people to get out of your book?
1: you will never find life outside of really following Jesus I mean everything else is it pales in comparison and I don't again it sounds overly religious and I don't like that at all but the bottom line is is you know I pursued life in so many different ways and it really didn't deliver and what has delivered is that I've simply slowed down again I said this already and and I, I say you know I get really irritated when I drive by a church and I see 12 steps to X, or 11 steps to whatever, or seven steps, I'm like, I think it's as simple as, one, get up and spend time Mm -hmm. in the Word, okay? And for me, I just read a chapter from the Proverbs every day, Mm -hmm. just great wisdom, sitting with uh, King Solomon and hearing his wisdom. Sometimes I'll go into the Old Testament and New Testament, but not all the time, so it's not some arduous task. Second is I spend time praying, and I'm learning to spend more time listening than speaking, Mm -hmm. And, and instead of asking for stuff, I'm thankful because when you're thankful, it's really hard to feel bad about your situation. And then third, and this is where the magic happens, is slowing down and listening for God's, his still small voice, and just doing what he says for you to do. And and, you know, you think about the Good Samaritan. I mean, a friend of mine, Bob Musiakowski said, you think about the Good Samaritan, if he was a business guy, then he stopped and helped this guy, negotiated a rate, paid for him, made sure he was taken care of, he was probably late to his next appointment, and he probably lost the business. And so I asked my brother this question because we were talking about this recently. My brother's a, a, a business guy, a real estate developer, and I said, is it possible to truly be in tune with the Holy Spirit, to truly allow God to interrupt your day whenever he wants to and still be a successful businessman? And his response is, is I think, he says, I think that's absolutely possible, oh, oh but he says, I think that your definition of success is gonna migrate
0: you know? That's interesting, yeah.
1: And so the reality is is am am I am I more joy filled when a deal closes or am I more joy filled when I've been prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for a fellow cancer patient in line at public's grocery mm-hmm. store. And I find I find more life in entering someone's life than I do in closing the deal.
0: I think that whole success word that is associated mm-hmm. with things like Parenting, or like friendship, or I mean, I, I almost feel you like you could go down the gambit. It does make it measurable in some way, which makes it product-driven instead of relationship-driven. Which is what I hear from you is that because even what you just said that the latter was focused on relationship. And um, I mean, mm-hmm. is that the key? Is that what it's about?
1: It's think about that again. The thought when I was. Thought I was dying, I realized the only two things that are going to last when it's all said and done are friends or the souls of men
0: right. mm-hmm. and the Word of God. Yeah, yeah.
1: Everything else will burn. You know, I did not sit in that bed thinking because we have a, a, a Acura. Excuse me, we have a Lexus ES 350, and that's kind of the middle of the road, kind of average. I, I didn't sit there and say, you know, I really wish we had gotten that LX because it's bigger and faster. And, or that we had done that expansion on our home, or none of that came to mind. I bet
3: it didn't. Yeah. Huh. I bet it didn't. The definition of success sometimes is kind of upside down for us in today's culture. Mm-hmm. How do you mm-hmm. define success? Mm-hmm. I
1: define success as being obedient, doing what God tells you to do. And I'm not kidding you, when I do that, it's the highlight of my day. Mm-hmm. And it's been as diverse as praying for a woman in Publix grocery store, like I mentioned earlier. And by the way, kind of a up, a side benefit of this is my son has seen that for the last five years mm-hmm. that it's not uncommon for us to feel God prompting us to do something and I do it and he did not freaked out about it. He's fifteen years old and it doesn't make him go, Oh dad, no Here we go again. No, he, he just he leans into it. actually <laughs> yeah. once I, I turned around there was a guy that looked That's like it. he needed help in the, the median, you know, yeah. the car. So I turned around mm-hmm. when I could and went back. I said, hey, Did you see that guy in the car? He goes, Yeah I did see that. Well we get back and he's gone. And then my son looks at me and says, Dad, thanks for going back. Wow, you know? Real. So my, my seriously, nice. my definition of success is doing what God tells you to do. Because ultimately, he wants your ultimate success. He wants what's best for you when it's all said and done. Yeah. And so literally, it, it, it has been as diverse as praying for the woman in the grocery store to praying for people in uh, the waiting room in hospitals to buying two guys beer in a convenience store at midnight in Lexington, Kentucky. Now, I was raised Missionary Baptist where we all drink, smoke, dance, chew, you, and you're <laughs> singing if you do that. God told me to buy these guys beer. And it was the most unbelievable conversation with two guys that I would have never, I mean, I look like Ward Cleaver, and these guys, one's this really cool African-American dude that's thin with these long dreadlocks, and the other's a really big guy. Mm-hmm. And they said, why are you doing this? And I said, well, I was diagnosed with cancer in 2012, and I told God whatever he wanted me to do I was in I'll do it and he told me to buy your beer and one of them said will you put five dollars worth of gas in my car <laughs> and I said sure and the other said will you buy me a cigar I said yeah grab it I'm okay with that mm-hmm. you know what's crazy is uh, that guy with the dreadlocks turned to me and under his breath and I, I love this because there's a rule called the rule of reciprocity if someone gives you something you want to give them back mm-hmm. and he says hey man I got some weed. Would you like some weed? <laughs> and You know what? And I don't look at that as bad. I look at that as that's what he had that yeah. was valuable yeah. that he wanted to give to that's me. Nice. And what a what a relationship, that's you know?
3: That's hilarious. That, that is
1: pretty funny. So uh, again, I I mean, I talked
3: about it. Well, I'm not going to ask what you anyone. said. Yeah. I'm not going to ask. Well, I answered?
2: He said no. I said yeah. no. I did not. He said no, but thanks. <laughs> yeah. But the big guy and I'm sitting in the car and he come. I see Greg come out, and then I see this uh, big guy come out right after him. And he's just staring at Greg, and he is smiling. I mean, just from ear to ear, this guy is smiling. And I'm thinking, okay, they must have had some kind of conversation. And then he, he kind of yells at Greg, and he says, bye, Greg. See ya, thanks. <laughs> it was just so funny. And then, anyway, so Greg tells me later, like, you know
3: they're on first name basis now. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Can yeah. I well,
0: ask you, because I think people will want to know that, um, because multiple times you've said, God told me to. And so what is that for you? Is that an audible voice that you hear? Or is it uh, a moving in, in your soul, kind of an inclination? Because I do think people will want to know, kind of yeah. going, well, God doesn't talk to me. I would like mm-hmm. for God yeah. to talk to me. Right. What, what do you mean by that?
1: I didn't feel like God talked to me before I was sick because I was moving so fast.
0: Okay. But you know,
1: but what I believe what it is to me is not an audible voice. It is not, it literally, I can glance over and I just see people and God. I sense that God says do this. Okay. I mean yesterday it was a couple sitting in front of the gas station that we got gas at on the way to Waco, Texas. It's a convenience store. Young couple, actually, an attractive young couple, lying on the cement, and I just lying
0: on the cement, right
1: in front of the right in front of the convenience store, between the two doors. Okay. And I just saw the, and I just said, Tracy, I think I'm supposed to buy those guys breakfast. And so we drive over, and I open the door, and I go, Hey, can I get you guys some breakfast? They said, Sure. I said, What would you like? They said, Well, whatever. And I said, Well, would you like water and coffee? Yeah, well you know, whatever. And so I got them coffee and waters and. Mm-hmm three different uh, egg and cheese biscuits, and so we gave them to them, and the young lady gets up and she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at this couple, and again, they don't look like they're bums. I mean, they're just, I I don't have any idea why they were there. All I said was, hey, God bless you. I didn't tell them the four spiritual laws, I didn't, but I just did what I think I felt God told me to do. Mm -hmm. And you know what, what if I missed it? What if God didn't tell me to do that? Is that a bad thing? No, I don't right. think
2: it is, yeah. no. But I think the key is what you're saying is it's it's a more of a prompting, you know, it's not an audible voice you mm-hmm. hear, which I don't think it is either. Mm-hmm. But, and I think the difference that I have is that I'm, like I'm looking, I think you have to look for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to look to see the need around you in order to feel the prompting.
3: You know, yeah. cuz if you don't yeah. see it, I don't know that
1: you're not going to meet the need. Yeah, yeah. And, and I
3: think if we're so self-absorbed in our day what just happened and what I have to do next, then you you miss it because oh, I just I love out.
0: the idea. So, a couple of things that you've said that I think are so so terrific that are sort of I guess you're the some of the lessons that you've learned. It's slow down mm-hmm. for sure um don't let the busy steal from you because busy steals
1: mm-hmm.
2: um I
0: i've heard you say open your eyes like get the perspective and um and that that does come with slowing down mm-hmm. and um definitely the others others centered yeah. Which again, it seems so much of it is like what lenses you're wearing, you know, if they're, if you're yeah. looking out or if you're looking, looking in. in and, uh, and that there is actually more joy and peace that you've experienced in the looking outward than all the the striving after.
2: Hmm.
0: And, um, and maybe that's the, mm-hmm. the
3: surprise that came with your interruption. So with all the introspection, can we get to the party side of Greg and Tracy? Because mm-hmm. they do have a big party side. <laughs> they, they do. They enjoy life. <laughs> right. So one of the things that Greg and Tracy said when I first met them was, you know, when you have something to celebrate, go big, yeah. right? Yeah. And so are you still going big? We are.
1: <laughs> you know, who uh, next Wednesday I'm meeting with a guy named Tim Akers, and he has the best band in Nashville. Uh-huh. He plays keyboard for Michael McDonald. He, Uh, travels with a country artist and I mean literally the best players in Nashville. It's a band called Tim Akers and the Smoking Section (laughs) and I'm literally meeting with him next Wednesday finalizing a deal that when I die and I hope it's not you know five years or whatever but I do have a bad heart and I do have stage four cancer and who knows what else but when I die we are not gonna have a morbid uh, black tie-wearing, dark, you know, frankly, in the middle of a church, you know, where you celebrate with cookies and Kool-Aid. That actually makes me angry.
3: So what we're going to do
1: is, because if I'm in heaven, which I believe I will be, and if Paul says to live as Christ but to die as gain, Mm -hmm. then why are our funerals so just... I'm sorry, but this is a... They just suck, they're terrible. <laughs> well, you know, they have bad music, they have bad, you know, it's terrible. So I'm hiring the best band in Nashville. I have Todd Wagner's gonna come speak, my pastor uh, uh, Darren Tyler, my brother Zach Murtha, I've got another singer, uh, oh uh, Nicole, Nicole. Smith Sponjard who sang in the group Sela. We have the bands lined up, we have the catering lined up, we have, we'll have the absolute best wine, best beer, and almost everyone I meet, I invite them to come to my memorial service. And they say, what? And I just go, well, I, you know what? I, I have stage four cancer. I don't know when that's going to be. I hope it's later than sooner. But if you'll give me my, your email address, I'll make sure you're included in the invitation. Wow. So that'll be, I mean, again, I want people to walk away from that going, that's the way we're supposed to live, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I, I went to a friend of mine's wife's memorial service. She's an unbelievable woman, unbelievable woman who really followed Jesus and led a number of people to Christ. And it was a, it was unexpected. So I understand the. She was 50, and I, again, I understand it's sad and everyone's, you know, down. And but I went to this memorial service in a church with no windows. Everyone dressed in black. Everyone kind of heads down and all of that. And I wanted to stand up and scream, are you kidding me? What an incredible woman she was. We should celebrate her life. And then I went to the lobby and I saw that they were serving cookies and Kool-Aid. And that's not the way to celebrate. Maybe if you're in kindergarten, but you gotta be kidding me. you know? So I, I, I literally realized if I don't write this down, mm-hmm. and if I don't take charge, I will end up being memorialized. Just like this woman was, or worse, in some funeral home somewhere with really bad music,
3: you know. <laughs> music.
1: <laughs> and that's not what it's going to be. Is
3: Kay singing at the memorial? Uh, you, d- you haven't booked K? She's uh,
1: she's I writing a know. book in my honor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm teasing.
3: <laughs> I only sing in the car. Yeah, <laughs> and only to in To the car. embarrassment of my children. <laughs> that's good. What are some of the things that you decided and this to has celebrate? This got to be the last. Oh We've no, gotta, it's,
0: they have they have okay. dinner plans. Okay. Oh. What it's are some of okay. the things that
3: now I'll just squeeze this in so. Just because you you celebrated some random things. Yep. So just give, them, give us some of that randomness. Oh, let's see. Well,
1: we recently celebrated a birthday. Oh, well, we yeah, celebrated so we Greg's big birthday.
3: And so we, we
2: just, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was gonna be dessert. And, and then it became dinner. And it was just, it ended up being much bigger than yeah. we even, Uh, anticipated
1: and And what um, we'll do too is like if I get a good uh, test result from the doctor Mm -hmm. so CT scan came back and it's clear and they're gonna give me you know a month off from chemotherapy that is worth celebrating yeah and so So we'll we'll just immediately send out an email make a few phone calls encourage people to show up and bring a bottle of wine and we meet around our island in our kitchen and you know I remember once we had like 12 or 13 couples there Mm-hmm. And what I'll do is I'll say, this is why I'm celebrating, but every one of you have something worth celebrating. Mm-hmm. So I want to go around the room and let's find out what, what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And to we'll celebrate. pray with each other and we'll laugh and we'll cry. And I'll tell you, that is what, uh, well, again, when I read the Book of Acts, what church is supposed to be like. That's church to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unbelievable, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. So. Yeah, celebrating life with each other. Amen. And so we are grateful for you and for you spending your afternoon with us under and, a bridge in I the rain. Know, and just walking the road with that's us. Trying. And so we're just going to encourage you all to say something kind to someone that's in your path today, um, which is clearly brings joy. If it can bring joy to, to people that are in the midst of arguably some of the hardest things in life and the joy comes from saying something nice and sharing encouragement, then I know it'll bring blessing
3: to your day, so. Thanks. Thank you. so Thank much. you. Can I add one more thing? Yes. Celebrate something today, too. This, there's always something to celebrate, and, and I'm just celebrating the fact that we're visiting with Kay and Tracy, and, and it's just been wonderful. And the random way that they met. Oh, it's my just gosh. so fun. That's another episode.
0: Just, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I love it. Continue. Okay, All right. anything else? from y'all. That'll
1: do.